Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by the beat reporters once again, Jim Thomas from out at Centene and Tom Timmerman, who made his way back safely from Pittsburgh. And guys, let's jump right into the news of the day. Uh, bad news. The one man who's avoided uh, injuries or the plague, Vladimir Tarasenko, is getting his turn in the COVID uh, barrel. But JT, it doesn't sound like it's uh, too bad. Yeah, apparently uh, no symptoms. Now, the key uh, with these revised protocols, if you post a couple of negative tests, you can come back in five days. If not, you've got you've to hang in there the, the entire 10 days. Uh, just a couple guys coming back. Uh, Barbashev would have made it for, for the, for the uh, uh, five days, but Bartuzo missed all 10 days because he couldn't post that, uh, that necessary, uh, those necessary negative tests. But again, no symptoms. For Tarasenko, if it's just five days, he'll miss he'll miss two games. Same with uh, Wallman and uh, Perunovic. But my goodness, we're up to 17 positive tests. If you count the uh, even the taxi squad, the 26 players that are uh, with the Blues, uh, with the varsity, so to speak, there's only nine guys left that haven't tested positive this season. And and Jeff, do you, do you have a prize for? For uh, uh, our dear friend Jake Wallman, he's the first Blues player known to have tested positive twice. Uh, he was a positive test at the very end of the regular season last year, and now he's on the list again. Do we have a prize from him? No. Uh, well, Tom, he, he has not been what you'd call the luckiest Blue um, in the last uh, several, it's really the last several years. We're talking about Jake? Uh, yes, poor Jake. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and he was sailing along this year. It looked like this had been his coming out. This had been, um, you know, kind of, you know, he, he had arrived, and then uh, he hasn't arrived lately. The, the, we've begun the Nico Mikola era, the Jake Wallman era, uh, which was flourishing there at the start, uh, has subsided. Um, yeah, with Tarasenko missing games, we'll be down to. Uh, Pareko and Scandella is the only guys left who have not missed a game uh, this season uh, with the Blues. So it's a uh, it's it's a very select company now. All of the forwards have finally uh, uh, missed a game. Well, when you look at the, um, the the other negative was a guy who was playing pretty good, uh, Scott Perunovic. Um, that's also. You know, really, he's, he's a heady player. He's not put up big offensive numbers, but it seems like, you know, he's matured nicely, sort of fit himself in. You know, not sure where the fit is long-term with both him and Krug still, still a little skeptical of the uh, redundancy there. But, guys, uh, you know, again, that's – he's kind of sailing along, and now he's not, JT. Yeah, and, uh, again, it could be as few as just two games, which uh, in the grand scheme is maybe just a bump in the road. But, uh, uh, you know, Perunovic uh, – uh, has has played pretty good defense. That's the thing with him. But Ruby's mentioned it. Had a couple uh, bumps. Had the uh, muff in uh, what was it uh, overtime that led to the uh, the penalty shot against Anaheim. I want I, I want to say. And uh, uh, but overall, he's held his own defensively. You know, uh, the the offense will, will 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 come. You know, maybe not a ton of second power play duty, just because of the run of games. But uh, uh, I'm sure he'd like to be out there just just uh, as much as uh, as possible. But again, he's just going to have to wait. I, I wondered. I asked him last week because he, you know, he's been living and still lives with Falk. 
did he stay in the same house when Falk was on the COVID list and, and which, you know, could be problematical, but Perunovic said that actually Falk and his wife, and I think they have a kid, they actually did not stay in the house uh, during that time. Uh, apparently Falk was, had, had some cabin or lodge and was out, uh, was out uh, fishing, I guess, as he, uh, as he told us. So uh, it's just, it's just a mess the way that the COVID is, uh, is spreading, uh, Everywhere again, the uh, kind of the silver lining is that uh, you, you don't have to be tested for 90 days once you test positive. So, all but these last nine, they can't test positive because they don't have to test. And even Saad, who was the very first guy uh, to go on the COVID list, he still doesn't have to be tested until I believe like January 21st or sometime uh, at the end of uh, January because he went on the COVID list. October 21st. So it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. On the, on the Perunovich topic, you know, his, his five on five numbers are just not good. He, they, they, he has not really been a big offensive force at five on five. He's been fine on the power play. His power play numbers have been good as far as generating offense and being productive, but you know, five on five, he, he's just not bringing it yet. And that's something that's expected of him. Uh, and um Obviously, he's not getting the minutes that the other guys are getting, but he has been getting power play minutes, but he can't, he hasn't translated that to even strength so far. Now, on the, uh, on the plus side for our heroes uh, and for the media, because he came back flying into, into action, <laughs> uh, Robert Bortuzzo, uh, back among the living, and, uh, and only not a minute too soon with those quotes. <laughs> so he, uh, he is a, uh, and, and his shot blocking too, uh, JT. I mean, um, he's not going to win uh, Norris Trophy, but he is going to help your penalty kill uh, by throwing his body in front of shots. Yeah, and just in time for the world's greatest uh, power play guy ever, Mr. Uh, Ovechkin. And uh, yeah, you know how it is here at the net front. We, we rate the players on their, their quotability, and uh, uh, Bartuzzo is, is definitely a, a first-pairing defenseman when it, when it comes to uh, uh, quotability. Uh, so uh, yeah, and, uh, but he, he's back, and, and uh you know, they, Callie Rosen was called up uh, from Springfield just to give the Blues a uh, taxi squad uh, defenseman just to have some insurance. Otherwise, Rosen would, I assume, would uh, would be in the lineup. But, you know, Bartuzzo and Scandella, they've played a lot. Um, Mikola and uh, Pareko, boy, what an interesting game for uh, Nico Mikola uh, last night. And Krugan Falk, so the, the disruption on defense uh, with this latest batch of COVID is, uh, is uh, minimal. I guess we should mention too, Mike Van Ryn, the uh, COVID uh, assistant coach, he's still uh, not back, but we didn't see Drew Bannister uh, on the, on the sidelines here. So I guess uh, Drew is, uh, he's back to, uh, after his one game stint as an NHL assistant coach is back with the, with the Thunderbirds there in Springfield. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that, that worked out well for Drew because the, uh, the uh, Thunderbirds had their Wednesday game uh, coveted out uh, against Laval, but I think they're back in action this weekend. So he's back on that case. And Steve Ott is, you know, strangely is, you know, he's just not strangely, but he's, he's, he can't be on the ice because his back is bad, but he can, you know, stand behind the bench. So um, it'll get him. Hey, you know, great timing by Bortuzzo coming back in time for, for playing the Capitals. The last time the Blues played the Capitals, it was the first game after they won the Stanley Cup. 
That was their season opener in the 1920 season. They were supposed to play them again late in the year, but that was a game that was wiped out when the end of the schedule was canceled by COVID. And obviously they didn't play them last year. So it's been a long time, longer than I think any other team in the league since the Blues played the Caps going back to their, their first game of the 1920 season. Yeah, I think I was 12. That, no, I'm well, not quite that. Yeah. Enough, but, uh, yeah, maybe they can raise the banner again. <laughs> you know, well, what the heck? You know, Bortuzzo might have given some pause or might, might have given, given some thought to maybe, you know, kind of lollygagging a bit in practicing, still having some uh, after effects, uh, not quite up to speed because he's going to probably catch five or six uh, shots by uh, Ovechkin here because uh, <laughs> that's just what he does and he knows what's yes. coming. Yeah. And uh, it's just painful to watch, but this is what the man does for a living. Yeah. I should mention on Ott, apparently, uh, he was playing with his kid and, and, and reached down, I, I don't know, to pick something up. And that's how the back went out. So, uh, Gordo, be careful playing with that cat. We'd, we'd, we'd hate to have you doing the net front from your, like your couch or something, you know? You know, and Bortuzzo, but also, yeah, you know, his thoughts here, there was a guy that should have been wearing beach gear coming off the bus, uh, in Minneapolis. He would, he is, he would have been the ideal guy. Everybody embraced it, but I think in most cases, few people, you blues embrace things quite like Robert Bertuzzo embraces uh, things like that. Well, let's go back two games ago to the uh, frosty northern uh, climbs of uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, JT, and uh, really uh, a good show. I, I'm in, you know, the players sacrificed for the betterment of the league and, and for the franchise because that was a that was a heck of a show. Great visuals, uh, you know, great, great showcase for the game. But my God, uh, to, to put players through that and our own photographer, Colter Peterson, uh, that was that was tough. But, you know, I, I think from, I guess, the safety of the press box, JT, that must have been, uh, you know, quite a uh, quite a success story. It was pretty comfy in the press box, maybe a little chilly, but we had coffee, we had sandwiches and, and uh uh, you know, big TV screens to look at the uh, replay a little far away from the ice, but, uh, but uh, not, not too bad, but yeah, the spectacle. And I couldn't help just wandering off to see the fake deer. My eyes wandering off are, there was constant lumberjack activity. And then during the, during the game there, they had like six little rinks and there were one youth team or youth team after another would be out there skating Fortunately for the players, this was all behind them. You know, they, they had their backs to it. Otherwise, I think it might have been distracting, you know, to see a, a, a lumberjack, uh, you know, sawing some logs and stuff like that. Yeah, the, uh, the appeal of the Winter Classic remains in, enduring. And, it, it, you know, they move it around. It goes to places and it seems to be embraced everywhere uh, you go. And we saw it here when it was in St. Louis. And the amazing thing is, is, how far away you are from the game. I mean, it is, I mean, the, the, the soccer or the hockey rink is there in the middle of the baseball field. It's not like it's close. I mean, it's, you know, they're, the seats just inherently aren't that good, but gosh, you know, they, wherever it goes, it sells out and people love it. And even if it was, yeah, minus six degrees, people come out for that. It, it's a, a really an enduring thing that the, the NHL has stumbled onto there with how, People like doing it, even places where there's not a history of outdoor hockey games. Uh, people turn up to these things. So uh, it's, I don't know how big of a gold mine it is for the league, but it, it's something that's proved very popular. 
Yeah, JT, and I think the uh, the spectacle side of it, it really plays well on TV. You've had a variety of, of settings and game conditions in some frustrating venues where the sun was melting the ice and things were delayed, but uh, we've also had some spectacular venues. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's marketing gold. I mean, as far as what the Blues put out there, I guess just from presenting the team as legit this season, um, I guess it was also, it was good for the team and also very good for Jordan Cairo on the, on the big stage. Um, he has, uh, he has had his breakout, he is having his breakout and, and this game was, uh, was fun for him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, big time breakout on the, uh, on the national, uh, uh, stage. And, uh, I noticed he was, uh, I believe he was interviewed before last night's game, which was also a TNT, uh, game. And, and the Blues look good in terms of the game itself. It reminded me a lot of those uh, uh, wondrous, I guess we call them first five games where the Blues were scoring a ton of goals. And then we'd kind of just relax a little bit with huge leads in the third period to make it, you know, a little bit uh, interesting. But uh, yeah, that was in many ways, that was the, the Blues uh, at their best. And uh, won the uh, uh, league uh I guess PR person that was working the game just remarked, man, your, your, your team looks good. Not that they're my team, but uh, you know, we're looking forward to seeing them in the playoffs. So I, I think the, you know, even with some warts and, 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 and flaws on the team, I mean, uh, the blues potential as a legitimate team that can make a, a deep playoff run was, was kind of in, in, in full display there. I guess the only thing, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, in past years, wasn't the Winter Classic like the only game going on at that time? I mean, there were a couple other games going on, and the ratings were still good, I understand. But you would think if the league was going to go to all this uh, time and expense to, and, and effort to put it on, make it the only show uh, on TV, at least at that time. Yeah, I don't know why they changed that this year, but it, yeah, it traditionally has been when it was played in the afternoon, it was, you know, the one the NBC had up against, you know, college football games uh, everywhere else. And yeah, there was up against, uh, I think it was a Toronto and Montreal, Toronto and Ottawa. There was a, a Canadian only game uh, going on and there had been a bunch that afternoon. Um, yeah. And a couple yeah. afterwards, I think, a couple later games. There were some yeah. West Coast games. Yeah, after that. Yeah. You know, that game, that was the kind of game, though, where, where Jordan Cairo would have loved to immediately renegotiate his contract because, <laughs> I mean, everybody is saying, what an incredible player. My goodness. You know, it would, you know, and he can't do it, but it would have been like, yes, yes, Doug Armstrong. I think I'm you know, let's let's talk contract right now. Because, but this was a case where everybody really got to see kind of what we've been seeing all year. Just the, the explosion of uh, performance here from Jordan Cairo, who who looked good last year, but looks so much better uh, this year. He's all, I think he's one goal shy of matching last season's goal total already, uh, you know, a third of the way through the year. Well, okay. Now we're going to bring people down. I'm going to st start with Tom this time because Tom <laughs> was on hand to witness the game in, in Pittsburgh. And really they were never really in there playing to their, their, there's real style that the chief wants uh, Jordan Bennington steals them some time in the first period. Maybe they settle a bit in the second, but then things just go haywire for a host of reasons that were, were outlined in the post dispatch on stltoday.com. So Tom, I, I guess um, it just, you're catching the penguins playing really, really good. And you don't play the way you have to play the penguins. And I guess just one thing led to another on a, you know, in what became a pretty weird game. <laughs> 
Yeah, a weird game. Yeah, they the Blues kind of found themselves maybe once they got up to nothing. Whether you know they they kind of briefly there rested control of the game, but so the first period they were totally outplayed, and the third period they spent so much of it on the on the penalty kill that they never really got a chance. But they didn't play that one even when they were even strengthened that one. Um, yeah, you know that's you know it, and they almost won. And if they had won that, you'd have said that is they did not deserve to win that game. Uh, they that was one of their poorer efforts we've seen over the last uh, month. Uh, it just wasn't good. And they just, and, and it was team wide. It wasn't like there were some guys that were, were doing it that as one line would go out there and get things going pretty much. It was up and down. It, you know, they, they couldn't keep the puck. They, they couldn't clear the puck. Um, the you know, puck passes were going to nobody. It's about everything that was bad uh, happened. It was just not, a uh, an attractive game by any stretch of the imagination and guys the penguins are playing really well right now the penguins made them look even worse but the the blues did a lot of it on their own oh well, jt yes yes i don't quite i didn't quite see it that way I, I i the blues were definitely outplayed in the first period i thought the blues controlled the second period and then the game's decided by you know, and I have the utmost respect for Barubi. That's just a bad challenge on the road. It wasn't obvious. And, and that's the ball game uh, right there. The Blues were in the penalty box the uh, the whole third period. And some of the reactions to the penalties, I thought I was watching a uh, Shakespearean theater or something. And really, <laughs> the only terrible call was uh, Mikula, I thought, who clearly got shoved into the goalie. And so I'm a little surprised that uh, Barubi challenged that, especially on the road. Uh, uh, because it, it goalie interference, I think we all agree, are a crapshoot anyway, and that certainly uh, wasn't clear cut with Sidney Crosby. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I look at it as you had two top 10 teams playing, and uh, yeah, the, the Blues could have been better, especially along the board in the wall battles. I mean, they were hitting people, I mean, they had like 25 hits, but they just weren't up to standards on the wall battle. But otherwise, I, I didn't think it was a particularly brutal game. It was just, you know, a, a coach who's very good. I would say that in the top echelon, especially in-game coaching, I think Baruby is very underrated. That was just a bad decision to, to challenge. Now, the Blues are 3-0 and this year uh, going into that game on, uh, on challenges. So I think they were all offside challenges, which are a bit more cut and dry than uh, – uh, than the goalie interference challenges. But I just think that even if they don't challenge that one, it just, it just looked to me like another Pittsburgh goal was inevitable, that they were just creating so many chances. Bennington had made all those saves early, but he wasn't making them later on. I mean, he stopped the first 20 he faced, and then Pittsburgh scored two goals in four shots. I think it was inevitable. And I, and I wondered if that was going into Berube's thinking, which is, you know, if, if they tie it, the next goal puts them ahead anyway. You know, we're going to, we're holding on by our fingernails. Here's our chance. If we can have a lead, then maybe that lets us play in a way where we can win the game. I don't know if that went into his thinking. He said it was just the challenge was because to his mind, it was an obvious uh, goalie interference. And I don't know how anyone can say that's an obvious goalie interference in any yeah, play. Really. Yeah. And those watching the game on TV, uh, our officer Koharski came on and, quickly said oh no no that's not interference it was pretty hard to say that like you say these are these these uh, challenges are a, you know a dice roll a coin flip but the co-host said no no that's not interference. <laughs> yeah he was pretty but, clear all right, let's 
Yeah, let's go to a happy topic. And I think, even though it didn't go well, and, and, and our, my boy Nico had a few down moments, uh, did, you know, he's got to get better on his shot blocking, uh, you know, needed to seal off uh, Crosby on one of his attacks to the net, which led to some of this, this, uh, this hoo-ha. But his uh, holding the fort on that one sequence where he wasn't having none of, said the kid giving him, uh, giving him a shot, he just gave it right back to the guy. Uh, either unaware or unconcerned about Sydney's status in the game, and then ultimately give him a smack in the nose with the mitt and drawn a little blood. But JT, I, I, I hate to say I was kind of misting up. I mean, I don't want to sound like a, <laughs> a violence monger, but uh, this was a little throwback. Uh, I think hockey fans appreciated that. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I did one of these with the uh, with the glasses when that that happened, and and uh, quite a right uh, uh, that led to Mr. Crosby's cut. Unfortunately, he may have poked the bear and. And woke him up, but uh, it was very good to see. Uh, I, I like that uh, Mikola's physical game is is been amped up here. Uh, I, I I see, and, and we asked Baruby about it. Baruby uh, just sees progress. I mean, uh, I, I I think right now, again, maybe in two weeks we'll we'll, we'll think differently. I I think Mikola may be the top four defenseman they're uh, uh, they're 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 looking for. It was uh, it was. Uh, one of the more entertaining things I've I've seen all season from from the Blues, him uh, giving uh, Mr. Crosby the business. Yeah, Nico Mikola, I can uh, if you couldn't tell from the broadcast, he's not popular in Pittsburgh. I mean, they have, they have, <laughs> he is he. You don't do that to Sidney Crosby. I mean, that's just you know, and it's and it's fascinating to see just how when somebody goes after Crosby, how quick both the Penguins teammates and the linesmen. Uh, get involved on breaking things up. It's uh, mm -hmm. it's everybody is it immediately descends, but uh, he was roundly booed uh, on pretty much every occasion uh, after that. But um, yeah, that's, you know, the, that's what the blues are going to want to see from him uh, because who's the defenseman who is going to do that uh, on this group. I mean, they have a lot of, you know, you don't expect that from Tory Krug or Justin Falk or Colton Pareko, but Here's a, you know, Mikola could be your guy who's going to weigh in there and, and punch a guy in the face. So it's a, an identity lesson there, I think, for Nico Mikola last night. Yeah, you know, somewhere out there, Harold Snaps was going, yeah, you know, that's how you play hockey. I mean, because Harold could <laughs> hardly move when he played for the Blues. He had less than no mobility. He was just a statue. But, you know, he's out there. He would, you know, if somebody was within punching range, he'd punch him, you know. Pretty much his deal. So uh, the league has changed quite a bit. Now, you guys talked about how the uh, with Bertuzzo's return and uh, Brunovich's exit, things settled can settle back in okay on the on the blue line in terms of sensible pairings. But uh, looking up front, this has been a constant scramble. Now ninety one is gone after the team briefly had all their forwards uh, available. Uh, but uh, Braden Shen returns and has a productive power play uh, scenario. Uh, how do you see both um, the uh, at even strength JT and the power play now sorting with uh, with uh, Tarasenko's absence? Well, uh, the interesting thing was uh, uh, Barubi told us uh, just a while back that he was mulling over line changes even before he learned of Tarasenko's positive test. So this is like almost tabloid material. He's splitting up O'Reilly and and Perron, and so they're they're not going to be on the same. Uh, line he just you know he's trying to create some more offense for 
O'Reilly, who's had only one goal, I believe, in his last uh, 12 games. And he's very happy with the defense and everything, the intangible part of O'Reilly's game. But so splitting up uh, Karan and O'Reilly. And so you've got Sunquist, who was on the fourth line, all of a sudden is uh, right in the middle, uh, going to center Saad and, uh, and Perron. And Shen will be with uh, Cairo and Thomas, which I think playing with Cairo and Thomas is like money in the bank. You know you're probably going to fall into some points if you're playing uh, with those guys. So that, that's how they, they, they'll do it. With, with uh, Tarasenko, they need a forward. So your, your guy, Clem Costin, is, is, is off the healthy scratch list, and, and he'll, be on the, uh, he'll be on the fourth line. And uh, so that's, that's how uh, they'll go forward. And Tommy, who, who's, who's with Buchnevich and Barbashev? What's, what's the other line there? Uh, Bushnevich and Barbashev are, are with O'Reilly and, uh, Oh, that's right. That's where O'Reilly's going. Yeah, so, yeah. so, yeah. uh, uh, that, that'll be an interesting line because all those guys are uh, defensively responsible. And so we'll, we'll, we'll see how it works. Uh, I had counted up, uh, uh, let me look here. I believe it's 56 different line combinations that the, uh, the blues have opened games with, obviously this doesn't take into account in game shifting 57 they're at 57 and uh they, they might hit triple digits before the season's over it's just been an amazing pace of uh changes Braden Shen has been like a nomad uh he has played with 14 different forwards already 14 our, our excuse me Thomas will be the 14th on a line and he's never played with the same line more than three games in a row so uh it just, uh, the craziness continues. You got to feel for the guy. It's like he has, he either has no friends or he has everybody's his friend, one or the other. I'm not sure. Without Schwartz. Without Schwartz, he's been lost. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and he hasn't been with Bozak much. So the, uh, the uh, Sasky boys are, uh, are yeah, yeah, just have not been, not been a factor no. this year. Yeah. You know, O'Reilly just hasn't, uh, you know, his, his numbers are just down when you look at his goals against over 60 minutes, his expected goals for over 60, just the numbers are going down um, and, and not, you know, and it's not a good thing. Even the defensive numbers, when I say are going down, they're actually going up. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a rough stretch. You know, Perron, not a whole lot. I mean, he only had two shot attempts last night. They were both late in the game, both in the third period. Um, and so, I mean, and that's the combination which has been gold, uh, for the blues over the past couple of years. And this year they haven't gotten much out of it at all. And, you know, if that doesn't work, that take, that's a big chunk of what the offense is built around. Uh, that's one whole line there. And so now they got to, you know, they're looking to see will other combinations maybe get both of those guys going. Yeah. JT, a, a couple things um, come to mind immediately. One, I mean, this is a, a challenge being laid to Perron because this is clearly a, a third line. Um, that he's on and but he needs to get his game back after his absence and it's understandable it takes time to get your game back it just does uh, and also on a plus side uh, JT it speaks to the Chiefs affinity for uh, Pavel Buchnevich who's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a bit with the um, breakup of the Russian line now we're seeing uh, um, I, I think a great opportunity for him and uh, this is a guy that clearly uh, Craig has uh, much uh, much love for yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Buchnevich has been a little quiet since the Russian line uh, uh, broke up. 
And yeah, Perron, not, not only that, but, you know, this is a contract year for him, you know, his contracts up over, over this year. And uh, uh, so definitely he needs to, to get going, but yeah, over the long haul, if Perron and O'Reilly and, you know, we can throw in Shen again, Shen got to go. Those, those are, I, I call them the old reliables. If, if they're not going that, that puts a lot on the Russians and the youngsters, you know, Thomas and Cairo and, it's like a, you know, it's like a batting order in baseball throughout the season. There may be one or two guys that are in slumps, but, uh, and, and again, while realizing, you know, Ron had the long injury O'Reilly, it just, it took him a while. He was one of the uh, maybe minority of guys that had, you know, some, some symptoms and some symptoms that set him back for a few days. It took him, it seemed like a while uh, to get going after he came back from uh, COVID, but that's, that's been a while now. He should, he should be, uh, he should be fine now. And, you know, and interesting that these changes are made. I'm sitting there watching the game on TV last night and I'm thinking, man, it's, I think it's, it's time for Perron and O'Reilly to, 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 to get going. Yeah, Perron's been better defensively than he has been offensively, but he's another guy who has been good on the power play, but not good at five on five. Uh, he's, he's probably below average, I think, in the league in his five-on-five play in expected goal expected goals for. Uh, but, you know, his power play numbers have been great. He's among uh, statistically one of the best guys on creating offense on uh, when the Blues have a man advantage. So, uh, but then he's, he's also been very good defensively. He, his defensive play, you, you can't uh, say anything bad about. Well, you, well I guess you could. But uh, he, he's... That's been the thing, but his five-on-five offense, which is where uh, so much of the game is played, uh, he hasn't found it this season. Okay, last thing on this edition of the net front, uh, the Blues back home. They've been very good at home. Uh, A lot of chaos in the league, and certainly the Blues back to dealing with uh, some issues, but uh, but still a real opportunity for the Blues to to build on what's been a pretty good stretch, um, as they're at least stronger than they were and stronger than some of the teams they're going to run up against. And, and they're going to start their whole with fingers crossed place, play somewhat regularly comparing them to say the Minnesota wild, which is really that, that team's in a tough place right now. Uh, JT, this, uh, this next stretch, a uh, good opportunity to see if they can, uh, can settle in and, and, and bank more points. Yeah. Five games at home where the blues uh, have one of the uh, uh, best records uh, home records in in the league and some some tough teams. I mean, we're going to see uh, Washington and and Toronto and, and Nashville's been a surprise. Dallas has had some issues, but you know they're going to play tough defense. And and then everybody's uh, homecoming team, Seattle, the Kraken. We'll we'll get a look at the Dunn and uh, and Schwartz. But yeah, this is uh, really an opportunity to bank some points at home. Yeah, well. You know, the, the schedule is still a mystery. We you know the, the, the all-star break, the Olympic break is, is getting closer. We're within a month of it now, and we don't know what those games are going to be. The Blues got a, three games in Canada coming up before the um, all-star break. Um, boy, at this point in time, you don't think those games are going to be played. Uh, the Blues are at, they're down three games right now. They're going to be down six games possibly by then. Um, yeah, at some point we got to see some, they've got to put games in those, you know, if you're, if you're not going to go to the Olympics and you're going to use those three weeks, you got to schedule games for those three weeks. So what that's going to look, I don't know when we find out and how short a notice the league is okay with playing on, but, uh, uh, that's something that's going to be happening soon. 
you know, and the last note to, to make a reference to this for, for old time fans would appreciate it, but uh, things are so bad in Canada that teams are uh, multiple teams are pondering um, scheduling games in, if not moving to the would be home of our beloved blues Saskatoon, <laughs> because in, in that <laughs> apparently in Saskatoon, it's like, no, no limits. Come on down. Everybody in the <laughs> arena, you want to watch a game, come on in. Uh, it's, it's an outlier. And so who knows, it could become the, the center of the Canadian hockey universe could be Saskatoon. Could be. The, Sa the Saskatoon bubble, huh? It could be. <laughs> and guys, I know both of you would look forward to seeing Saskatoon. Have either of you been to Saskatoon? No, sir. I, I have never been to Saskatchewan at all. So that's, that's a glaring absence on my, uh, on my uh, resume. Here's, you well, know, here, if the Blues had gone to Saskatoon, because what we know of how hockey history played out, since teams didn't last in Winnipeg initially and in Quebec, they wouldn't have lasted in Saskatoon either. So that team would have moved somewhere else. So, I mean, that's one of those scenarios, you know, alternate realities. What would have happened if the Blues had gone to Saskatoon? Because then they would have gone. So would they have been, would they have gone to Houston? Would they have gone to Hamilton? Uh, where would that team have ended up? Would they have been in Seattle? Yeah. Would St. Louis ever have built that arena downtown? Mm -hmm. I mean, who, where would the motivation have come to, uh, to build such a thing? Admittedly at first Barbie's playhouse wasn't as big a hit as it, as it could have been. They had to sh shift around the color schemes, but I mean, it became, you know, the now I guess enterprise center is a, has been a, a civic asset, but that, Hey, that never gets built. So think about, you know, this is a, you know, it's a wonderful life thing, but what would have happened JT? What would we have been podcasting about? What would we have been talking about right here for half an hour? I don't know. We'd be talking about Bill. St. Louis City SC's new coach. That's what we would yes. have been talking about. Billiken's basketball. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that, well, we do have the Blues. We do have a, a lot of games coming up, so we'll definitely look forward to getting back to the podcast next week. In the meantime, a reminder, you can check all, all of our podcasts on stltoday.com at stltoday.com slash podcasts. We've got tons of stuff on the website. Uh, ben Fred and I did a video today. We've got, of course, uh, Dave Matter and Ben Fred do a terrific podcast on the zoo. At some point, we'll have baseball back, and uh, the best podcast in baseball will be back, and uh, hopefully we'll enjoy that. But in the meantime, for Tom, for JT, I'm Jeff. See ya!